Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast. My guest today is Barry Davis, legendary wrestler from Iowa. He's a three-time NCAA champion, two-time Olympian, 1984 silver medalist at uh, Los Angeles Olympics. He was a silver medalist at the World Championships and a bronze medalist as well, and uh, former head coach of Wisconsin and a great ambassador for the sport, a total legend, and it's a big deal for me to have him on here, and I really appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you enjoy this, so let's bring him in. How was your trip with uh, Coach Gable? It was good, actually. I didn't get to go down there because we're still on a no travel ban. But I did an hour and 39-minute podcast uh, with him. And we're going to get our first um, introduction out today. But John Wooden says that he is the greatest coach of all time. Oh, really? Yep. yep wow. Yep. That's a big deal. Well, he had, a, he had a 981 winning percentage in the Big Ten. Wow. And nine, 941 uh, altogether. Overall. 21, 21 Big Ten titles in a row, right? 21 straight, yep. Wow. That, that's incredible. Do you think anyone could ever hope to match that? I, I don't think there can be. I mean, yeah. You know, people talk about uh, Coach K, other guys being the greatest people of all time. Listen, from start to finish, if K was a basketball coach, he'd been in the Final Four 20 out of 21 years. Even in the finals, 19 times. Wow. Third, third once and sixth once. One time out of 21, he would have been in the final four. People go, oh, yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's an individual sport, not a team sport. Hold on here. Here's the deal with Russell is this. You start out with 10 guys. Basketball has like maybe 15 guys on a team. Right. Okay. They have 15. They win, they all move forward as a team. Juan Ruslan, he went to the Big Ten Championship with 10 guys. Only eight guys qualify. You only take eight guys forward, not 10. Yeah. You start with, you start with a 10-man team, and, and you go from there. So, really, it's a team sport, like basketball. Well, Ruslan, you know, you know, one guy scoring. Well, here's the deal. No, no, no. Everybody, everybody's points add up to a final score. Okay? In basketball. Everybody's points add up to a final score. Not just one guy's not just shooting the ball. Everybody's shooting the ball. Yeah. So everybody's scoring points. And no different than Russell. Everybody's scoring points because it's a 10-man team. They have 15, I think, on the roster. We have 10. So what's the difference? It's still a team sport. The better I do, the better the team does. The more points I make in basketball, the better the team does. It's all win-win. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. And how many national titles did he win total? 15, and he won nine straight at one time. Wow. And the uh, 10th year was, was – what year was that that they didn't – 87. They did, actually, it started in 77, and it ended in 87. Uh, my fault. started in 78. He started in 78, his first title. And then ended in 87. It started in Maryland and ended in Maryland. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. Since – place it started same place it ended that's weird yeah it is yeah it's weird how things work out do you do you miss coaching oh uh, yeah I do because well I, I'm a volunteer coach now where I'm at with high school but to me coaching is about taking individuals or, or your team and teach them about life do the sport of wrestling you know how to deal for like deal with opponents you're dealing with life, you're dealing with, with people you're working with and working with them, how to work with a team and 
how to work with somebody else, male or female. So the sport of wrestling, again, what you're doing is this. You work with both male and female, you work from, with individuals, you work with a team, you learn how to cut weight, train, be disciplined. It teaches you so many things in life. So, you know, my philosophy in life is this, is to is make people better every day. If I'm doing that, you know, I'm happy because I, I, I hope somebody else excel in life. And it's, it's a motivating factor. You want to focus on themselves. It's not about you. It's about people you're working with, people you're dealing with. If you're making them better, overall, you're, you're, you're becoming better too. It's a, it's a pretty simple thing to me. What was your best asset as a coach? Uh, probably motivating. You know, I, mean, I, I when I first started, I did everything the team did. I had Russell in the room until I was about 46. So you usually what they asked me to do, I pretty much do the same thing they did. So yeah. it took a toll on my body, but yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't change no, I wouldn't change it for nothing. <laughs> would you do it again? Would you be a division one head coach again? Uh, you know what? I would no, it wouldn't matter to me. Division one, two or three. Because right now I'm a volunteer goes to the high school. In a small community, you know, when I took my job here with this company, um, you go, Barry, why are you, why are you taking this job? Was one because like, you got a great product, it's all natural. I, I still get to deal with, with 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 college level college level coaches, club coaches, you know, gym. Oh, I mean, people that are that work out and train, etc. But it's a small community. But my other motivating factor was this. I want to change a community for the better. So it was a you know a, a, a two-pronged thing. I'm working with young kids in a small community that they don't have a lot. And I want to help change their life in a positive manner to get them out and be able to come back and give back to the community later on, no matter where they live. And it just changed lives. Do the kids that you're coaching now in your uh, high school, do they know, do they fully comprehend how freaking great you were? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we're not there yet. Maybe as you know, we're, uh, I'm making workout plans from right now during this quarantine time. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, they're figuring things out, but I don't, we're not at the level yet. They really understand the really discipline it takes to be at the level maybe that, that I was at, yeah. but I'm hoping to get them there and understand guys that, you know, to be successful, you got to be disciplined every day and be able to repeat things every day because the most successful people can repeat the same thing over every day and be good at it. But well, I want to change, change this, but you got to get up, you got to be motivated and be like clockwork every day. You can do it for so long and they forget and they veer off. So yeah, we're, we're getting there, but uh, you know, we're going to be meeting here pretty soon. And then, with the big hills to run and some buddy kids up to those hills and they might understand a little bit more then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were a three-time uh, Division One champion. You were a four-time All-American, three-time world medalist, uh, Olympian, two-time Olympian, yeah. uh, two-time silver medalist. What made you such a great wrestler? Um, I think I had a, a drive that um, to win at, at the highest level. I, I grew up with not we didn't have much as a kid growing up. Yeah. My dad was a factory worker. I worked at a meatpacking plant. 
mom did some janitorial work just to make ends meet. I had two other brothers, one younger brother. You know, we didn't have a whole lot. And my way out was sports. And um, it made my parents proud to do that, to give them some recognition a little bit for them as well too. So I wanted to, to make them feel good about what they're doing, even though they know what they did as a job. But it gave them some comfort, gave them some exciting things to look forward to each and every day. So my dad was um, a great role model. Actually, he worked a full-time job. I got the school bus, went up the hill, go with my mom in the car, take my dad out like a brown sack, pick him up at the, at the meatpacking plant, drive across town, drop him off at a um, place called Highway Equipment where he made parts, give me his food and pick him up about 10 o'clock at night. So it, it just kind of a thank you to my mom and dad too and say, hey, you know what? You gave me a different path in life. And to this day, you know, I write my mom a letter and things I do for them, so. Yeah, so both of your parents are still alive? Yeah, both the parents are still alive. My dad's 83. The guys, his guys, to this day, somebody, he has, works at, a, at a, a place that makes parts and stuff like that still. So he, somebody, he wakes up at two o'clock in the morning. Like the other day I called him around, what's it, around noon or 10? I, hey, hey, I just say, hey, Pop, because he works, you know, when he wants to go in. Hey, Pop, what's going on? Ah, I just put eight hours. I go, eight hours. I go, it's, it's like 10 o'clock. Yeah, I woke up at one o'clock, couldn't sleep because I drove to work the other day. Like 20 minutes across town. Yeah. And then put eight hours in. Hours, I'm coming home, get my breakfast. I take, take your mom home breakfast as well, too. So, but you know, he's got to work. But, but now that my mom now is in, in a home where, you know, my, my one brother passed away a while back. So depression hit pretty hard. So it's, it's, uh, it's a tough time. But you know, you still love them and you, you still, uh, you're there for them and yeah, your parents, you know? Sure. So, so just watching him when you were growing up probably instilled a lot of your work ethic without even realizing it. Yeah, it did. It did because you know, he worked hard to make ends meet just to give us opportunities to uh, compete in sports. Yeah. You know, we, I remember in the fall, we go to school, we go like Sears or usually Sears to get some, for our school clothes, we got two pairs of pants, Maybe a pair of shoes, maybe maybe three shirts. That's what we had. That was our school clothes. So after school, when he came home, he went up the hill, he changed from those pants to your other pants. Because you got grass stains on those pants, it was not good. Yeah. But you wore money's pants, and then you wore Tuesday's pants, and the money's pants ready for a Wednesday for mom didn't wash. And so, you know, you don't know you're poor, you just you're a kid. And yeah. uh, that's what you do. But yeah, we had uh it it, it uh, taught us a strong work ethic. And to, um, we knew he worked hard at his job. He didn't get to travel much. He didn't have, he didn't have that much money to watch us compete. But he came, he came to the Big Ten and the NCAs and all the home duels. But a lot of the way duels he couldn't go to. Yeah. What was your relationship with him like concerning your, uh, your wrestling? Uh, it was good, but he, he, he was a driver. He, he pushed hard. And he, he um, yeah, he, he didn't win. It was kind of somebody's kind of tough because you know, he worked hard and plus when you won, it's like he didn't have a whole lot. I said, hey, look at my son. You have this job and I have this job, but my kids do something that your kid can't get a little bit, you know? Yeah. He, he took a little bit of pride that way. I didn't look at it that way. I just doing my job, but he pushed you a lot. I remember one time in, in 82, I was about 20 miles from college. 
he came down every now and then. He came down one time in college and was, um, I kept him like 146 to 118 that year. Right number one in the country, and the best team in the country. So he was down there in the locker room. I was still cutting weight right before a duel. And he was on me pretty hard. And I go, Dad, I go, here's the deal. I go, I go, I don't care if you ever watch me with Russell again. I go, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I, I'm done. He goes, oh, you quit? I said, no, I don't quit. Here's the deal, Dad. Because uh, my two other brothers quit in wrestling. You know, and my husband didn't wrestle. So I, I, if I quit, you know, he's going to go crazy here. So I go, hey, Dad, here's the deal. I go, you know what? I'm the number one guy in the country, on the best team in the country. I need no more pressure. So look at me right now. I got five more pounds to go. I'm done with it. So at that time, we became from father-son to man-man. But we're still father-son. So I kind of, you know, hey, I'm still your son, but yet I'm a man now too. Yeah. Well, it's 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 deal with men here. I, I don't need this. Hey, you know, you're the dad. I'm the son. It's it's man, man. But I'll no matter what, I'll always be your son. So that's kind of a turning point with us a little bit. And he was okay right then with what you said. Uh pretty much because later that year I took off. Remember that I took off that year. Right. I found me at a grocery store. And long story, but. Because, hey, Beer, if you, you want to wrestle, you don't have to wrestle. How's your mind? What you're thinking? Because, hey, don't do it for me. I said, no, I'll be fine. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Then I went on to win my first NCAA championship that year in 82. And I know that story about, about you deciding to quit. You told yeah. me, I've heard it before, and it's, it's a, a great story. Um, you're ranked number one in the country, and, and uh, you had to cut a heck of a lot of weight, and it was just wearing on you. And by Big Tens, you were pretty much over it. Um, were you kind of out of your, like, because, like you said, you're not a quitter and you're a super tough guy. What was your mentality? What What were you? I've cut weight before. I know how it is. I mean, not to the to the level you did, but I, I get it. But I was just curious what your mentality was. Well, you know, it's you, you, you know you work hard, do that. I was a self motivator, and I didn't. You know, I think I think they do anything on my own. But as the season drug along, I usually ten pounds over the day before. I go from ten. I cut from ten. Put on the two, and go eat back up to eight. Come back at night, go from eight back down to three, and eat again from with the bed. Went from three up to six, and move to the next day for weigh-ins. So the season went along; it just it just wore on me. My body's wore out. Yeah. And I got to the point where instead of thinking a positive, I just kind of think a little bit negative. What I should have did is, is ask Coach Cable for help, and I didn't do that. But I you know, it's pretty tough mentally doing that, but. I'll cut up another the yard. Everybody has their breaking point. And I just, at the end, I just broke at the end. And they ended up finding me at a grocery store and drove across town and got my gear. And the team was already in Michigan. So we went from grocery store to get my gear to Cedar Rapids. I was on a plane to Chicago. With Kevin and I worked out in Chicago. I got another plane, landed in Detroit, Michigan. We drove from Detroit to Ann Arbor where the Big Tens were. Hour before weigh-ins and walked in the room. I go, hey guys, I go, hey Barry. Like nothing even happened. Made weight. Won my second Big Ten title. Went on and went on to win my first NCAA championship. So go from finding me across town at 7 a.m. to catching two fights, working out in between, and making it there by four o'clock or five o'clock for weigh-ins was incredible. It's kind of meant to be. So that's yeah, it's. it's yeah, it was a tough time, but I learned from it. Yeah. You got to seek help. 
I, I remember you telling me that, that when he found you, you had uh, a box of donuts with you. Um, when, you when he found you, do you remember how much you were over at that point? I was probably uh, six and a half over. Mm. Yep. But here's the thing, though. He found me, and then, you know, he was, he was nervous, and he didn't know what I was thinking. And, you know, he, he was in a van. He took me out to the van. He goes, Barry, what are you thinking? What's going on? And, you know, he's, you know, he's a little bit shook. And I was, too, because, you know, I felt bad at the same time. But the turning point was this. He goes, all of a sudden, he goes, Barry, what do you want to do? Do you want to make weight or not? I go, yes. He goes, all right, let's go. That was it. He took off. So, you know, he, he let you decide. I'm sure this stuff, if I said no, you might have kept talking. He said, well, let's just go there anyway and see the team. So <laughs> either way, I was going to make weight. Yeah. <laughs> but he let me, you know, ask me first. And I said, yes. But, um, yeah, Coach Gabe was quite the man. And uh, he's, um, yeah, that changed my life. My whole career changed. And um, it was a big turning point for me. And the sport of wrestling. You were a three-time high school state champion, and uh, I'm sure you had freestyle accolades as well. Um, mm -hmm. Did you have other uh, any other, other school in mind, or was it always Iowa for you? Oh, well, I got recruited by Iowa State, Iowa, UNI, Oklahoma, a lot of other schools. I remember one time. See, back then our um, signing date was in in April. Now it's in like November. Okay, there's two signing dates. One's in November was in April, but now it's back then it was in April. So at one time, Jimmy and Lenny Zalowski, my high school teammates, trained in Iowa City. So I was like 22 miles away. So I get down to school, I go down to train down with the team down there because legally you could, I think you could do that stuff, you know? Yeah. So I went down there, I was working, with, working out with him. All of a sudden, my dad would take me out down there, drop me off and leave. All of a sudden, my dad, all of a sudden, I'm walking out, he pulls up, my dad's like, hey. I'm like, what? He's like, going like this to me. I walk around the corner of the car, and Harold Nichols steps out. That was Gable's college coach at Iowa State. I'm in Iowa City, working out. He can't, I didn't even get to come to visit me in my house. He was like, uh, well, uh, it's very here. Uh, boys working out. Well, let's go get him. We go to Iowa City. He goes, Barry, how are you doing? Dr. Harold Nichols, that's the coach. How are you? Great to see you. I was sitting by, I was out to my house and started talking, but I ended up going, going to Iowa. So, right choice for me. Yeah. What made what made Gable such a great coach? What I mean, did, was he able to push buttons or? Yeah, yeah, he, he did his homework on you as, as an individual. But I think, again, like, ask me about coaching. What was my strong point was he would do whatever we did. But, he was better at it. And um, so, I mean, you watch after practice, he'd be working out. He got a neck brace on, rubber collar, working out. You're like, hey, I got a little bit of a sore knee here, like a, like a bad shoulder. This guy's working out with a neck brace? Come on. I, 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 what? I'm rustling tomorrow. I got you. I can't let this guy do this to me. Yeah. So, but he is, you know, he said that, you know, he cared about you as, as a person deeply and that you wanted to win. He just had that, that you couldn't tell him no thing. And it was like, you knew how bad he wanted you to win. He gave you the tools to win, but he pushed you to the point where it, you know, he wanted you to win even more. Yeah. So 
but he, you know, he, he talked to your parents and they'd ask questions, whatever. He, what about this? What about that? What, what motivates him? What motivates him? So he'd do those type of things and he figured it figured out. But yeah, he, he could have needed his skin a couple of times. We went out of it a couple of times. So yeah. You guys argued? <laughs> yeah, more than once. One time I was like, I was wrestling. Well, anyway, but this is my mom. My dad, but this is my mom one time. So my mom, I tell you two different stories. One time I was working out and my mom walked in the room. She maybe came out maybe three times a year. She's about 4'11". Just tough. Henri, but man, she was tough. She walks in, look over, I go just right here, you know, and she's like kind of ways, whatever. She sits on the floor against the wall just watching. So again, it was like, all right, guys, you go with him, you go with him, you go with him. Well, he's picking out different guys to do stuff with. So he ended up putting with this guy that, uh, you just go with him. We're doing these different drills. Kind of be a freshman. So was it very good? So I thought, you know what? <clears throat> be a good teammate. I'm a senior. This kid was like, was, is a freshman. So we're wrestling. I'm about to do a few things, you know, because you just, you got to be a good teammate at the same time. I'm that guy to my legs and doing stuff, trying to figure things out, whatever. My mom doesn't understand that. All of a sudden, he goes, all right, break. I walk over and go, hey, mom. How you doing? He goes, hey, what are you doing? I go, I'll get the drink. He's good. Get the drink. Listen here, you don't deserve a drink. I came down here to watch some wrestling, and right now, you're going to show me anything. You got that? You don't deserve a drink. You get back out there and see what you can do. You got that? Or I'm out of here. I thought, oh, my gosh. Buddy, you picked, you, you picked the wrong lady to be my partner. <laughs> Next girl went out there. I beat this guy like, no, tomorrow. I mean, I mean, I lit him up like a pinball machine. <laughs> Austin Gabriel goes, break. What we just now. You can have a drink. Yeah, that's awesome. But uh, but once I was working out, and so so I'm getting ready for competition. I was a big dancer. I might have been big dancer NCAs, and he was like bringing up. You know, you're working out like sharp bait. I'm in the middle. He brings one guy in, take the guy down. It's going to just takedowns. He goes out, and the guy comes in. It's about four guys standing there. You know, get on and get on. He's, he's like, I'm so I'm in there for a long time. Say for like 15 minutes straight. So I'm, you know, you get a little bit tired, right? Also, this one guy that always has one takedown and he's happy. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He just wants to get one takedown. That's it. So he takes me down. Then, as I'm taking out, uh, taking out I get up, I'm getting ready right away. And Gable, about this far from my face, I'll say, I'm getting ready. He goes, he goes, right in my ear. I go, you gotta freaking kid me. That's, that's time. We're done. I go, we're done. There's no effing way we're done. One more time. He goes, nope, nope. I go, that's wrong. So I said, this guy's whatever, you know, I'm going off. He goes, I got it again. He goes, nope. He's done for the day. Done for the day. There's no way. He goes, in fact, he goes, cares for the next week. I go, hey, F you. F your mom. I went off with this guy. He goes, hey, listen. Don't you ever say about my mother again. And I'm just like, I mean, I was, he got me so mad. I had to curse anyway, but I get really mad. I'll curse. I'm like, ah, oh, I just felt, I just like so mad, you know? And then I walk away, of course, and coach, yeah, I'm going to try to says, hey, it's okay, don't worry about it. You know what? You know, don't say about my mom, but me, I don't really care about my mom. I can't do that. But he understood, though. He just knew how to do that, where I was like, you know, so competitive. It's one of one take that he was happy. 
that's not the drill though, you know, you gotta go hard every time. He just looked at that one little edge and he did that and he knew I was mad about it. And he just, getting ready to get away and I was tired. You're tired, you're hungry, you're at a high level and everything was at the right timing and he just goes, time, in a soft voice. I was just, he lit me up and it's like, but I love the guy. The guy is, you couldn't find a better human being that uh, would get you to the level out of your comfort zone. You know, he pushed it, bring out a point where you couldn't be pushing, just take you a bit further. So, yeah, he, he's a great man. And I, I love to this day. I yeah. love the guy. When I, was, uh, when I was starting out in wrestling, when I was about seven years old, Gable was about the only name anyone really knew. You know, I remember going yeah. to, uh, like sixth grade and being, you know, they asked him who my idol was. And I was like, Dan Gable, you know, <laughs> you yeah, know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's got a mystique about him. And when I met him at the world championships, I mean, I was standing in line with my now wife and uh, in Vegas and I was standing in line to meet him. And man, I, I thought I was going to start tearing up. I mean, I, I may have a little bit, I, <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed, yeah. about it, but yeah. I, like, <laughs> I was like, Casey, I'm getting ready to meet Dan Gable. I mean, my hand was shaking. I was like, yeah. I, I would love to have him on my podcast, but I'm afraid I couldn't talk. I'd be like, hi, Mr. Gable. We don't, people don't understand that, though. You know, people talk about, like, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, you know, Tom Brady. Hey, this, this guy, he wanted the high stuff. He looked like a world champion. It's like the best of the best. So it's like, well, look all these famous people. Hey, listen, time out here. Famous people? Would you, I see him, I met Michael Jordan, been around him. You get, what, what, let me get nervous. I've been around Dan Gable, Jordan Burroughs, John Smith. I've been around the best of the best. I mean, what are you talking about? You know, Smith's a six time world champion. So, guys, Tom Terry Brands, I said, hey, I'm Ron, the best of the best of the world at all time. So, how about this guy's just another guy to me? I, and I, I, I'm around great people every day. Well, plus you were uh, you were on that same level. I mean, it's not like you were. It's not like you were me, who's like, you know, such a nerd about. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I know, but here's the deal. I don't look at it that way, though. You know, I mean, like you're a com- I can't do comedian, yeah. but I can wrestle. So, to me, what you do is special. I I, I tell people this. You know, some people some people not, aren't very humble. It's like you see some guys. My name is Doctor So and So. I'll say, hey, my name's Coach so-and-so but it's like hey here's the deal you can do like i got two double hip replacements which is hey I'm, the guy was great i appreciate that but i said hey what's a single to a bar cigar to a um hip tilt to leg and turf i don't know that's right you don't know so we're all good at what we do let's be humble and you're great at what you do and i'm you know, you know i'm good at what i do and i you know you make me laugh and you like watch Russell. So, no, we, we're helping each other. That's what life is about, I think. Yeah. What, uh, what was the hardest thing he made you guys do besides live wrestle? I've always been curious about that. Oh, man. We did uh, two things. One, we do, we do Buddy Cares of Carver Arena. So, we do sprints versus about, I guess, more than 200, it's more than 200 yards around. We do like all these sprints and shorter sprints. Then we do stairs and Carver. So uh, sometimes you'd run down, run up, run down, run up. So it was like, I think 36 all together. So up and down, so you went up and down 
up and down once. It was like 18 times around total. So we do that and then we do like buddy carries. We do buddy carries, the guys on our back up 40 some stairs. After running and doing stairs, Tim, all these would just shake. Yeah. Literally, you would you go down and take a shower and your legs would be shaking while you shower because you couldn't hold still. You were scared that you were going to fall backwards. You go, lean forward, lean forward. And it was like, you did it, you know, like five in a row. And your legs were just, it hurts so deep inside your muscle that he, he, went, he took your, let's just say this, you trained, you took your muscles to the dark side. What I mean by that is like your triceps pain went to your biceps, biceps went to your triceps. So your lasers, it went so deep inside your tissue, seriously, that when you wrestled, you couldn't feel anything because it, just, it was just normal. When your body got in a match, you know, it, it had to dig deep. That's just a normal feeling. So we just wrestled through it like it was nothing. Yeah. And we, we would go, we would go 45 minutes live the day before competition. Some coaches now don't go live, some kids don't go live 45 minutes the whole week. Yeah. You know? So other one would be like we walk in there at four o'clock, hey guys, warm up, start drilling. We go live at 420 or 430, we're done at six. Live. Hour and a half, live. Just go. Wow. I mean, we, we did it almost almost we were live almost every day. That's what we did. So that was like, you know, you you got done. Your body was, you know, it, you were at a high level, but you just it took a lot out of you. So going into a workout, you better be mentally ready. If you weren't mentally ready, you're gonna get crushed. Yeah. How many guys from from back then still have both their hips? Do you have both your hips? Yeah. Uh, Mark Misnick, who's a doctor, does, does hip replacements. Did, did a study. It was pretty high. A lot of guys have, you know, hip one hip or two. So I got. I'm lucky. I got both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're very lucky after doing all those stadium stairs and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, I would imagine quite a few guys. Yep. Uh, tell us why you weren't the first four timer, but you you probably should have been. I I you know what I think about it right in my freshman year, I had a shot at at, at, at four national championships. I wasn't as a true freshman. Mm -hmm. I was winning. Is it quarters? Whatever. Whatever. I might have the quarters. Whatever. I was beating John Hardipe. Took him down. Cut him. Was getting me taken down again. He caught me on the edge of the mat in an elevator. Pinned me two seconds ago. I would have been in the. I would have been in the finals against Mills, but I think Mills would have beat me at that time because he's at the time he was better than I was. Now the following year I beat him in freestyle, but at that time he would have beat me in folk style. But I think if I would have redshirted, I would have time because when I registered in '84. Kevin Darkus won it. But when I couldn't win four titles, my, I won it 18 my sophomore year, 26 my junior year, registered for the Olympics, and came back my senior year. I wanted to go 134. Because at that time, there was no four-time champion. No, like I said, one of the two, but no one's ever won it at three weights as a coach. Listen, I'm going to be the first and the only guy to win it at three different weight classes. No one's ever done it before. Plus, no one's ever won it four times. I could be the greatest of all the three timers right now. Because Barry, I understand what you're, what you're talking about, but we need we need you 126 for the team. I say, coach, listen, we're gonna win it anyway. Look at, look at our lineup. I know it makes us stronger. But I can go 
134 and win it there and be the greatest spirit about the team. And he was right, and it was about the team. So it went back down to 126. But now, you know, since then, Diggs went in four different weight classes, got a lot of four-timers. But, you know, I could have been the only guy that went in at three. You know, it was one in at three, Dick won four, but I could have some separation there. But in the long run, though, I did the right thing for the team to win. And it's about the team, not about you as a person, as an individual. So he was right. I was just thinking about me at the time. I was being selfish, but I did the right thing because we ended up winning again the 85 and 86. We ended up winning nine straight. So that's part of history. So can't yeah. beat that. Um, what what I, I know I've asked you this before, and God bless you for doing this again after the after we uh, did so some of these questions. What was the hardest loss you ever took in your life? Most disappointing loss. Oh, it's real simple, man. It was uh, Olympic Falls in '84. Yeah. How yeah. Was the yeah. Uh, here's the deal. Two seconds cost me the match. It was Hadaki Tamiyami, former world champion. And at the time, he was a little better than I was, but I knew I had to get him to come to me. So it was one to one. Took me down. Uh, no, it took me down. But they actually put me back. Then they put me down. So I knew I had to. Um, Seeing all fours, so he couldn't gut with me. So, but he went from the gut, dropped under the ankle cross. As I as I went down, counter that, he dumped up and locked. I was flat. I got uh oh. Like he went to come back up again. He turned with two seconds to go in the first period. That changed the whole dynamics of the match because then now I had to chase him, him chasing me. So when I had to chase him. I couldn't get deep enough on his leg. I could get about here. Not quite deep enough to uh, get what I wanted. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah, yeah. You also told me about your best victory, which I thought was really cool. Uh, tell us about that again. Which one was that? You told me that it was at the duel in South Dakota that uh, Randy Lewis called you last. Oh week. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a couple. Of, yeah, so it was eighty. Year was that? Eighty nine, maybe? No, eighty ninety. Yeah, because like to a 90, I was just, I was done in 88, wasn't really training, working on the team. So the World Cup was in using Toledo, Ohio. So they, like the U.S. team would come over and U.S., like Cuba, Canada, a few other teams come over and we were also in the World Cup. So I was just working out with the team at the time, coaching, and, and Lewis was wanting to still compete. Also, they went up to South Dakota for a dual meet with the Russians. So they're up there, up there, and he goes, hey, Lewis, I get a phone call, hey, Barry, it's raining. He goes, here's the deal. So-and-so can't make it for 120, uh, 125, 57 kilos. We need you up here. I said, man, I'm not even training. But I got to have you up here, Barry. I'm calling you right now. He can't make weight. We got to have you up here, what, like in two, like maybe a day or two days? I, I, I'm not even, what, raining? What do you mean? I, who am I, Russell, he goes, Sergey Small, defending World Chip, and I go, Are you got to be kidding me. He goes, no, come on, Barry, do it for me. So I went up there and then um, had to cut weight for two days, wasn't even training, and I ended up beating Sergey Small like 7-2 or 7-3 in that dual meet. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't able to wrestle a little bit longer after 88. No, Sergey Buzzock, Sergey Buzzock also was pretty tough. So now in the 88, never lost. 
So I think it would, when I get more years, I might have won a world title. So I'm happy with that. But, but you know, life's going good now. Again, my focus on helping others become better. And again, it's about somebody else, not about me. But yeah, I still think about that now and then. Yeah, how could you not? Um, yeah, you know, your you know your goal is to win, be the best at the, at the highest level. And I took two servers and a bronze. So I just, I always say, I was about that far away. Yeah, still really awesome. Uh, uh, I forgot what I was going to ask you. Uh, Bill Glazov. I'm sorry, I'm saying his name wrong, but the one of the best Russians, one of the best wrestlers ever um, in yeah. any weight class. Um, did you ever beat him? No, he won it. He won it. I think in '79, up to '88, never lost. He was just, uh, you know, I don't know if he was doing things he shouldn't have been doing or not. But the first period, he bought six souls, like a pretty big three-three. But we also quite a few times. And I, in '87, I took second in the world. I got, I got caught and got pinned. In the armbar right away. At I really, I didn't give myself a chance to win that in that match. I was pretty good at that time too. No doubt he's he was good, but I thought at that time, yeah, you know, I took 30 years before, I wasn't really good. I didn't give myself a chance to win. It's almost like 84. I really feel bad because I didn't give myself a chance to win in that match. So but had a good career, you know, and my goal life that was is helping other people win in life, you know, not just wrestling, but in, in you know, life and about et cetera. So I'm happy with what I'm doing. I, I, I give my best shot. I left everything on the table so I can walk away. Did, you know, did, he, did he feel like he was juicing? Yeah, I was pretty strong for my weight class, really strong for my weight class. But he was, had to be a little bit stronger than me. So I don't know for sure, so I can't say. Yeah. He was, was pretty strong. He was the strongest I've ever wrestled. I wrestled a lot of strong guys, but I never wrestled anybody that strong. Well, I remember Travel Delagnap talking about uh, when he got his uh, bronze medal from the Olympics, um, and he hadn't he got he had gotten fifth, and then the guy from Russia got caught doping, and he was talking about when he would wrestle him, he, he said that his he just didn't feel human, you know, <laughs> like this yeah. his arm, yeah. like he had like the I don't know, I remember how he described it, but um, so I I don't want to speculate on whether or not you know they've all juiced or yeah, not. well. Yeah, that guy, he was pretty strong, so he, he could go to, like, whoa. You know, for a guy at 125, and I was very, very strong for 125. You can do, like, almost 110 pulls in, in one in one set. Wow. You know? Not I couldn't quite get to one, but it took me. But, yeah, it's, I thought it was pretty strong, but apparently I wasn't strong enough. A <laughs> hundred pull-ups in a row? At the almost, I do 50. I can almost do 50. I do, like, 50 this way, jump down, do it here. If I brought it, do it again. I couldn't quite get there. It took me two to get there. I couldn't quite get the other 50 in. Wow. Close, but not, just couldn't quite get it. In the best shape of my life, I think I did maybe 25 this way and 30 this way. And I thought that was pretty good, but I guess yeah. not. <laughs> well, you know, when you want, you're trying to win at the highest level, you want to make sure all your bases are covered. Yeah. Conditioning wise, strength wise, skill wise. So, you know, I, I was driven at a high level you know, to be the best I could be. So I was trying to find every edge I could when I trained. Make sure, because, you, know, you know, your lats are strong, that you do a lot of, a lot of pulling, right? Stuck in single legs, double legs, and stuff the guys down. So I want to make sure my back was strong. So, I, you know, it's one of the things that I wanted to do to make sure 
I was covered. So again, that's the edge I try to give myself. But sometimes only people understand the, the work you put in to be at that level, mentally and physically. It's it's a it's a job, but it's fun. But it's a job. So, yeah. How much weight? I'm backtracking a little bit, but when you when you beat Sergey Small, how much weight did you have to cut in those two days? Oh man, I was hurting. I was. He uh, plus you weighed in that day, same day, right day there. Uh, I was probably cutting maybe twelve to fourteen pounds, probably wow. twelve at least. These, you know, I, I worked out, but. I was still pretty lean, but mostly just water. But you know, I, I was so, you know, you, you got to cut all that weight. You, you lose your energy, whatever, though, you know. But still, you know, he was still the defending world champion. He was, he wasn't small either. And I think I ended up getting up there. I think he had given his two kilos. So he's still pretty big, too. So, but. It probably helped that you hadn't been training because then you were fresh. And that's probably why you whooped him so bad. I, I don't know. I just, uh, well, you know. You know, Randy Lewis called me. I couldn't let Randy down. So, and he ended up beating the the one forty nine pounder defending world champion as well too. Yeah, I've seen so. that match before. It was really cool. Wasn't it like a South Dakota high school or something? I, 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 yeah, I think it's at his high school. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. better they ever do is see me pin here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he was. Hey, he. I think he was probably the most exciting wrestler ever, ever to come out of Iowa by far, Randy Lewis. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. And I remember you telling me that you like to uh, wrestle with him because he prepared you for Darkest because he was even bigger and stronger than Darkest. He was a lot like Darkest. Yeah, Darkest could penetrate better than Randy, but he was good with overhooks. I don't like training with Randy, but I had to do it to make myself ready for, for Kevin Darkest because Randy's a lot bigger strength-wise and frame-wise. So, Russell Darkest, he didn't feel as strong you know, and as big, so... Yeah, Randy was a big part of my, you know, international career and being at, at that level. But yeah, it was no fun training with him though, because he was the guy was good. Yeah. I remember you telling me that you had to mentally prepare yourself when you knew you were gonna work out with him. Yeah, see what I said day before Barry, get ready, put him off. Okay, I'll be ready. Yeah. So I he gave me at least a 24 hour warning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful for that. <laughs> yeah, that. That guy was great, and he had a he, he did have a really exciting style. I mean, he could pin anybody, and uh, oh, yeah. He had a match in the NCAA finals with John Azevedo, twenty to fourteen, highest score match of all time. The NCAA, at thirty-four points in the NCAA finals. Crazy. Yep. Crazy. I remember you telling me that Gable um, beat. I asked you if Gable could beat uh, everybody in the room, if anybody could even touch him. Oh, yeah. And you said that uh, he beat Randy Lewis the day after, not the day after, but he had recently pinned the 149 world champion. So yeah. he was, you know, at the top of his game. And so he thought he could whoop Gable. And then they wrestled. And how bad did you say the score was? Well, I did. I said it probably with Gable like two days ago. So Randy said, I did an interview with Randy too before that. Because, hey, when I was like watching Gable in the Olympic Games, I was like 11 years old. And said, you know, he's ever scored a pot. I thought, you know what? I wonder what happened if I wrestled this guy and I waited as much as he did, if he could score on me, or if I could score on him. So, so Randy, it's like 80, yeah, right, 86. No, my fault. No, was it after, it was after that, eight, at, at 80, yeah, 80, 90, 90, when he beat the Finney World Champion. I was being like by 10 points and pinned the guy. I thought, you know what? 
pretty good here. And in fact, I'm the same weight now Coach Gable was when he competed in the 72 Olympic Games. So I'm just as big as he is. I wonder, you know what? <laughs> I can go with this guy. So like Randy was like 27 and Gable was 37. He goes, yeah, I'm just sitting there one day and feeling pretty good about myself about two weeks later. I was like, Gable walked by and thought, you know what? Today's the day. <laughs> hey, you, oh, man, you want to today? He goes, yeah, well, I'll, yeah, we can do that after practice, whatever, you know, because he didn't work, he wouldn't work out there in practice. Practice got done, and so Gable started loosening up, whatever, doing this and that. So Gable, was, about 10 minutes, I was like, Gable goes, hey, Randy, you're going to get loose? He goes, no, nah, coach, uh, just let me know when you're ready. I'll be ready. So we're just kind of sitting there at the practice watching. I was like, Gable's all right, I'm ready. Randy goes, all right, you ready? Say go. I think he was right, go. And soon as the game was says go, Randy tries to take me down. At the last time, Randy scored. So afterwards, goes in the sauna. He's sitting there. He walks in, and Mark Johnson, the coach, goes, "Hey, Randy, what's your workout for today?" He goes, "Ah, this Gable, really? Yeah. What's the score? Fifty-two to two. He goes, "No way. You got to be exaggerating." He goes, "Yeah, I'm exaggerating. Fifty-four to two." <laughs> Gable, I watched it. Gable literally beat him like a. It was bad, man. It was, it was a butt kicking. Fifty-four to two. Lewis never scored another point. Were they wrestling folk style or freestyle? Just working out. Okay. Just turning him, taking him down, and pinning him, and turning him again. They're going basically freestyle, and he beat him like a dog. Mm -hmm. Lewis is like, whoa. And what was I thinking? <laughs> You know, but Gable was that good, though. People don't realize how good he was. Yeah. You don't realize that guy was on a different level. I see he beat Eddie Bannock. Eddie Bannock was an 84, four-time finalist, three-time NCAA champion, Olympic medalist, Olympic champion at 198. Eddie weighed probably 220. Gable weighs 160, soaking wet. Eddie's feeling pretty good. Eddie's in the room walking on, cocking off and saying something, you know, saying this and saying that. So Gable didn't say that. I could tell, like, Gable doesn't like them guys get cocky. So Gabe didn't say anything for a couple of days. Next thing I know, I'm going, oh, why is Gabe wrestling Eddie for? I go, oh, I know why. Because Eddie, Eddie thought he was pretty good, you know, talking about how great he was. So Gabe was wrestling Eddie. He gets on top of him. He turns him, turns him, turns him, turns him. And he's like, Eddie's like, ah, ah. And it's like, it's making these noises. Arm bar here, arm bar there. So they take a break. This is Gable. You never heard him say a whole lot. We're sitting on the edge of the bleachers. He walks by and goes, hey. Turns like a top. What? He just turns like a top. Kept on walking, got a drink of water, and sat at the far end of the beaches by himself. Four minutes later, walks back out there, it's the same thing again. Wow. Gable, Eddie's Olympic champion at 198, Gable won at 149. This is like probably like 80, 1985. And Eddie's like 220, he's like 160 soaking wet. It was a beat down. How do you turn a monster like Eddie Bannock like that? Oh, man. I used to do, I never ever wrestled Coach Gable ever, ever. Never wrestled at all. Never, he would drill a little bit once, but I felt, he drilled with me, I could feel him hit my, hit my body, his body, like, you know? The guy was like, like a steel rock. Yeah. He hit you with his shoulders and hips. You felt it. Yeah. It's like in the brick wall. I think I told you I, I I'd had a doctor one time that said that he wrestled Gable in uh, college or something. I was sitting oh. there 
I remember what his name was. I was uh, I was in like eighth grade, and I was I was like telling him I was a wrestler, and he was like, I wrestled Dan Gable in college, and I was like, how'd that go for you? And he was like, not well. Um, <laughs> but just tell me about how strong his hands were. He was like, oh. the carpels in his hands were just freaks. Yeah. So he would take a rope like this here, a rope like this, and just hold it and just like I like just all the time, twist it. Hmm. At one time, he had thirty-four straight pins. Wow! Imagine that thirty-four straight is that the record well he said 25 straight in cowboys but he had like nine more in open tournaments and he didn't count those pins hmm. so 25 straight in cowboys is still the record wow i, I think anybody's close to that i don't think were he uh arson arson Fedzaev, i don't know if i'm saying his name uh, yep but he's one of the legendary 49 pounders right that was his weight class correct and that was gable's weight class correct um, do you have an opinion on who would have won that match? Uh, I think Gable would have won. Arsene was tall and a little bit longer than Gable was. He was tall and skinnier. But I think Gable's stance was so low and if Gable would get a hold of him, I think it was just too strong for him. Mm. It's hard to say, you know. You know, there, it's hard to say this area versus this area. But Arsene Fossad, he changed, to me, He's one of the guys that changed the dynamics of wrestling at that at that world level, because of what wait how dominant he was. He changed, came in with the with the um, kind of there was a different gut wrench, different knee arm foreleg, and uh, he was dominant as it's like Gable dominant as well because I know in 80, 83 rules uh, actually I wasn't in eighty one, junior world finals, Arsene Patsayev. Oh, you did. He, yeah, beat me in the in. The, in and the finals at uh, Junior World Championships in Canada. But he was so tall. He was like as tall as he was at 49. Mm-hmm. But 83 was his first year on the scenes. He tacked or pinned everybody's weight class in the World Championships. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those Russians are – I talked to Jim Shear uh, a couple of days ago, and he was telling me about Markabed Kartsayev, who I'm sure I'm saying yeah. wrong too. You're right. Yeah. But uh, all those guys were just – I mean – six seven eight time world champions i mean yeah and, and i was always a, a nerd about like looking it up seeing who was the best and of all time and all that mm-hmm. so uh, i was just curious what you thought about gable versus I, I, I would t- i would take gable i think you know he was hard to score on he was so low hands out in front of him you know, but, but look at this look at like john smith one six bruce is one what five you know Diggs one two hills one two now you got um, oh, Snyder won a gold Olympic in the world, and Jaden Cox as well. So we're that's good. We got some good guys on the scene now too. So lots going on here. Yeah, I sure wish they would go back to ten weight classes. I I hate that they took away uh, they took the sport away from really small guys, and they took the sport sport away from really big guys. You know, yeah. like you're yeah. over if if you're a monster like. Uh, Chris Taylor, you, you couldn't wrestle. He couldn't wrestle in these days. And yeah. neither could Bobby Weaver or any of those guys, which I wanted to ask you that story again. Speaking of Gable pushing buttons, you told oh, me about Bobby Weaver. Uh, yeah. That, story. that was that was 81 my freshman year. I was undefeated, and then I got beat at Cleveland State. At Cleveland State, because the guy was really tall and skinny, and I got kind of behind, started to panic, so I tried to throw the guy. I wasn't good up my body, tried to throw the guy. And, I got off my back and I do it again. And they get beat like 25 to 9 for my first college loss. <laughs> and then, but the next, so the next day we had to drive from Cleveland, Ohio to uh, Lehigh. 
to compete. And I had Bobby Weaver. So we walk in the room, get there, walk up, say, walk in the room. First thing he does, I'm right by him, talk a little bit, whatever. So I walk with, hey, Bobby, how you doing? Good to see you, blah, blah, blah. I'm saying like right there, you're looking good. Love the coach and all this stuff going on because you're on the 80 world team, the big team, and took second to work at 79. And Bobby this, Bobby that. I'm getting across. I'm like, you know what? Hey, coach, how are you doing? I'm like, you know what? He's making me so mad here. This guy, you know what? This is some young punk freshman. Got hammered yesterday. You know what? And I'm Bobby Weaver. I'm an Olympian, a world medalist on my turf. You know, I'm just, just you know, this and this or this guy. So you know what, buddy? All right, I don't care who you are, but tonight, you're in your home turf. No matter what, I'm bringing the diesel, buddy. You better be ready because I am pissed. All right, Bobby, good to see you, blah, 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 you know. And hey, Barry, get dressed, you ready to go? Yeah, well, it, it, that's it. So I was smoking hot. We wait in, hotel, I'm just, just the whole time thinking, thinking about this guy. Then I go out and that winning. Is it 12 to 11, 11 to 10? I thought, you know what, buddy? Take that, punk. Yeah, yeah I'm some young punk guy. You know, like, I want my, like, I'm thinking, like, you know what, Coach Gable? You know, there's your Bobby Weaver right there. Stick it. I sat down. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, whatever. Hey, good win. Good win. He knew what he was doing. Hey, well, hey, good win. By the way, good win. Yeah, good win. But you know what, buddy? Stick it. I sat down. <laughs> but we cut, you know, we're that way, though. But uh, I was pretty competitive in that. but. He knew what he was doing, and he got what he wanted. I won, so yeah. got the result he wanted. He, I don't even know if that was going to happen or not, but it did. I thought, yeah, buddy, yeah, take that Olympic thing and something. You know what? I just embarrassed you, I just embarrassed you for all your fans. I'm a true freshman. Take that. <laughs> so, but uh, you, know, you got to have a little bit of drive, right? Come on. Yeah, I think it's great that you're so competitive and uh, and, and you're such a nice person. Um, I was going to ask you, who's the nicest guy in wrestling? Is it you or Nate Carr? Because I think it's between the two of you. It's good. You know what? Nate's good. But I, here's the deal with me. I mean, on the mat, when you're training for competition, like pulls, whatever you're doing, you're, you're, you're getting your mind ready for competition. You're in a room doing that. But you, when you walk out, you know, you're just, you're just, you're just who you are. I don't take stuff with me off the mat. You know, it's... I can't treat everybody like, like an opponent because you wouldn't have, you, wouldn't, you can't keep against everybody. Yeah. So, but you know, when it comes to competition, you want to win at that level. You, I think to me, you got to be driven to get, to get what you want. Mm -hmm. Now as a coach, you know, I'm driven as well because I want my athletes to, to do the best of what they do too. But when you walk out of the room, it's just, you know, you got to think about, what about their school work and how, how things at home and how they do it mentally, you know, you got to, you just can't drop them the whole time. You got to know them and understand them. Because high school is different than college. High school is harder than college. People go, why is that? Because why? Because of this. See, college kids have a problem at home. He, he comes from Ohio to Wisconsin or Iowa. Okay? So, of course, at Wisconsin. So, when he comes to Wisconsin, so he gets in the morning, comes to practice, goes to class. Comes to practice, goes back to his apartment or to the dorm. Well, his parents call him, he doesn't have to answer the phone. Hey, I'm working out, I'm studying. He doesn't answer the phone at all. So he's not in that bad environment no, because he's somewhere else. They, they can't just, a high school kid goes from this bad environment to school to practice back to the same environment. 
So I think high school is tough thing. How is the coach? Because again, going from this environment, this environment, I see him for maybe an hour and a half a day, back to the same environment. Mm -hmm. They can't get away from it. So college is coach is harder. High school is harder than college because of that environment situation. But yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's a human being. Okay. So you never know what goes on behind closed doors at anybody's house. I always told my daughters growing up, we driving around, look at that big house. They must have a lot of money and must be rich or whatever. So listen, it's your girls. I don't care how big the house is, big or small, money or no money. You have no idea what goes on, goes on behind closed doors. That's the key in life. What goes on behind those doors. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I'm saying is girls is this. Doesn't matter what you got, you gotta be a family and do things right behind closed doors. So in life, I don't know if kid I teach where he goes on behind closed doors. And I know a lot of what goes on. I gotta make sure I'm trying to guide them that when they move on in life and have a family, that these closed doors are different than these closed doors when they're a father and a husband. Yeah, that's what I'm going to try to teach my boy. He's only 18 months old, but, you know, you need to be nice to everyone and because you never know what they're going through, no matter what they seem to be, you know. Yeah. Give me an email on the street. One, one, one nice gesture, you change your life. You know what? Or this guy cares about me. You're the only person that, that gave him hope. So all they need is hope. Mm-hmm. You never know what you say and do could change a life. Yeah, I had a girl, I had a girl uh, message me not too long ago that I went to eighth grade with, and and uh, she told me the story. She she goes, you know, you saved my life, and I was like, no, how did I do that? And uh, she goes, well, remember in eighth grade there was a kid making fun of me. She was kind of a bigger girl, and yeah. and somebody made fun of her, and and I, I guess I you know I wrestled since I, t- since I was seven, so I I went up to the kid and I took his head and I smashed it into the desk, and I was like quit making fun of her. You're going to have to deal with me. And, yeah. and she said that from that day on, people didn't make fun of her. They didn't, they did she quit wanting to kill herself. And she sent me this really long message and I didn't even remember doing it. Um, but you know, my mom kind of taught me that, you know, like you never know what someone's yeah. going through and don't let someone get picked on and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Well, again, like you said, Tim, you're the same way. It's about giving people hope, give give them something to look forward to because again, we all know that people go do a lot of different things, you know, and um, you never know where you can make a difference in someone's life. So, so it's important to, yeah, I deal with a lot of different people. I set an autograph, I look them in the eye, and I give them time. And when I'm on my knees, a little kid comes to me, I look at him, I get eye level, eye to lie, I give him that time right there. Yeah. That's his time. And I don't know what it's like at home for him, but he knows that Barry Davis cares about him as a human being well I, I gotta tell you the first time i met you i'm sure you don't remember it but we're we're ncaa's a few years ago and it was right it was the year before the wicks came they were uh gonna be freshmen the next year okay and, uh we're just we're just walking i go hey barry davis and you're like hey what how you doing and then you asked me my name and you asked me where i was from and i was kind of shocked by it because i was like why does barry davis care <laughs> where i'm from you know yeah. But you did. You were like, where are you from? I was like, I live in California. And you're like, oh, I got the Wick boys coming in. My point in saying this is you started talking to me like we had been friends for 10 years. And I'll never forget that. 
you know? So that was part of the reason I was so excited to have you on here. I'm like, this is a good person, you know, not just a great wrestler. I'm looking forward to talking to this guy. So, I, I, you know, I have my moments with Gable, so I can be sometimes intense too, but, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that's a great story. And, um, but I'm just saying that when you're talking to somebody, you got to give them that time. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's mentioned your name, and I guess you got to say, you know what, how are you, what's your name? So I think it's important that they took time to say your name, that you get to know their name. Right. Yeah. But wait, let's say you did that girl. You changed her whole life. I mean, that's, 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 that's a great story. That's yeah. great to hear. You're a super intense person and competitive. What was the last um, Olympic trials you tried out for? Uh, 92. The only reason I tried out is my wife was trying out. <laughs> I didn't want to try out. <laughs> so I'm still trying out. Barry, can you try out? So I, 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 actually, I didn't want anyone try out in 88. Oh, you weren't? I didn't want to try out in 88. I was done in 87. I was done. Somebody goes, hey, Barry, I, I'm trying out for the team in 88. Oh, you want to do it with us? I, Man, I'm done. I don't want to do it no more. I'm done. I don't want to train no more. So she ended up... Um, now, I'll tell you a story that I've never, never told anybody. This is a true story. 88, I was, I just said, I was kind of burned out. I wanted to take a break. So in 88, a beer, I'm training, train with me. I don't want to do it, but I did it because she was doing it too. Wow. So anyway, I ended up making the team in 88. And she ended up taking fourth in the trials. And the top three go, she took fourth. And at the time, we'd been on the, we both made the team, we'd be in the Wheaties box. She didn't make it. I didn't really want to go. And I, so I thought, you know what? I'm trying out. So I'm like, okay. So what I ended up doing is, all right, I'll win the trials. because I'm going to win. So I would probably even beat Darkest in the finals. So what I'll do is this. I'll win the trials. You know, I don't want to go. Get my spot the darkest. People go, I thought this is a very, you put this story like, why wouldn't you want to go? Because at the time I was just burnt out. I just, you know, you train that hard for that long and you're in Iowa, just, it's so intense. And I never, I don't think I've ever told, I don't think I've ever told Gabriel this story at all. So I didn't, wasn't planning on going. Anyway, somehow hurt ended up beating darkest. And Charlie's a great guy. I love Charlie, et cetera, but I didn't think he worked the level I think he should have worked at. So I had to go because I didn't want him to go. Wow. Nothing against him, but it just, in my mind, you know, I knew Kevin Dark is the way he trained, what he did. And now he may feel, I don't know, but, but I just didn't, that's why I didn't, I didn't perform as well as I probably should have performed, probably. And that's not, that's sad because I'm representing my country at the same time. What's I feel, Sorry, go ahead. I feel like I let down, you know, Coach Gable, my Olympic team, and then, you know, the U.S. But, I mean, I wrestled hard, I did, you know, I did everything, but I, was, I guess in the right frame of mind to really chase that, that like, Terry Grant and the yellow medal, gold medal, was in the right frame of mind. And it's it, that's kind of bothers me a little bit, too, because I represented a lot of different people. Yeah. And uh, I probably didn't give it, I gave it my best, but I wasn't in the right mindset to give, I think, to do that. So it's, you just heard a story that it's very few people have heard, but but why would you go want to go? Because you have to understand that 
you're going to go to that level, you better be ready to go from mentally as well as physically. And I just wasn't ready there mentally. What sport was your wife uh, in? 10,000 meters. Oh, cool. Yeah, she was, she was a world-class athlete. She's a, she was the first woman ever to win. Tack Nash was at the 5'10 in the marathon. She won all wow. three of them. Wow. Yeah, she was a world-class athlete. She ran for Nike for quite a few years. Like she ran professionally for maybe 10 years. Does she still run? No, no, but my youngest daughter runs now. She got a chance to get a shoot contract. Yeah. And she she's my wife's is four eleven. I'm five three. But her instincts like an inch longer than mine. She has long legs, short torso. So my oldest youngest daughter's built like her, but she has my mind set and driven like me. So she's gotta get best of both. Nice. She's pretty driven. She's pretty driven. You have two daughters? Two daughters, yeah. Two daughters and three grandkids. Okay. What's yeah. it like? What how does it? How did it change you having uh, daughters, if at all? Uh well, I thought for sure we thought that first one's gonna be a, you know to sit slow and this. Everybody did this pencil test thing, and everything came out to be a boy. I'm like, it's gonna be a boy, but she knew what it was. I had no idea. I'm fired up. So when she had Amanda, I'm like looking, looking, looking. I'm like, uh, it's a girl. I go, uh, it's a girl. But I just, I cried and. I, you know what? Here's the deal. Uh, as a father, you got what, sons? Is that correct? One son. He's 18 months old. Okay. Okay. So I have um, two girls to this day, Tim. I probably call or text them these four days a week. I love you, Dad. Blah, blah, blah. Because it's very important that they have a great role model. Women or young women or anybody, anybody, but them as a male because you want them to understand this is the type of guy you want to be around. I still did to this day. I sometimes like I'll be driving home to this day and start thinking about him. I'll start crying in the car. Yeah. Because you know, because you, you you worry about him, you want the best for him and your kid. So yeah. it sounds Barry, come on, you're 50 some years old and you're you're like adults and three grandkids, but you know, they're your, they're your kids forever. Dude, I, I, I get it. I used to cry. I, I used to be working out sometimes. I'd be running, and I'd think about my son, who wasn't even born yet. And, yeah. you know, I thought about stuff that my dad didn't necessarily do for me that I wanted to, and I, I would think about those things, and I would yeah. tear up, you know, and he wasn't even – my wife wasn't even pregnant yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, now, well, again, you're, you're talking about changing lives and doing stuff. You want to be a good role model for – Everybody, but especially your kids, because again, I tell people this: you can change. Like that young lady you talked about, okay, you change her life from suicide. Let's say she gets married, has a husband and two kids. Tim, you change not only one person, you change four people. And then when her kids get married, have kids, then you just change six, eight, nine, twelve, fifteen people. You didn't just change one life; you change. Hundreds of people because of what you did that day. That's what's why important. So so very important to make sure we you know we have our times, but to be the best you can and do that. Because again, you just changed fifty lives. More than that, saying it's your legacy is still building with that young lady. Yeah, yeah. I never really thought about it on that level, but yeah, that's that's a pretty cool thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Um, were were boys scared to date your daughter? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of them were, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I, 
one day I walked in, and one day my oldest daughter walked in the house. I'm like, at the work, I'm like, hey, dad. I'm like, look around, I'm like, it's my wife. She's like, like, like this. I'm like, how you doing? I met this kid, shook his hand a little bit, whatever, you know. I'm thinking, oh man, this is not going to work. But what I did, though, what I did is this I was smart. I didn't really say anything to my daughter. Hey, mom, man has seen this kid. I don't really want to see him. I think it's not a good fit. So my mom comes in and calls her, you know, Amanda Ray, everybody never likes that guy or not. She dumped the guy. Nice. <laughs> but the guy she has now, his name is Jake. That guy is a phenomenal guy. My son-in-law, I love the guy. I told him his face, I love him. I text him too, tell him I love him. So he's a good man, good father, good husband. So, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. But I had, to use my, I had to use my mom sometimes to kind of, you know, sometimes they knew, but sometimes they didn't. But if I did, I, had to, I need a little help. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, like you touched on, I mean, it's really important, especially with daughters, because, gosh, society, it's, it's, it's hard to be a woman in this society, you know, with all the, you know. Yeah. There's billboards with, uh, you know, they're selling boots, but the girl's half naked. I'm like, why does she have to be half naked to sell boots? You know, but that's, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. Well, yeah, I think it's important that we um, try to set a, set a trend and do that and help people, you know, my, be a good runner for our daughters, but everybody around too at the same time where I'm around young kids in the wrestling room. You know, we have a female athlete. You know what? Peter, with respect. Because, yeah. you know, what I, I say, I, I, oh, I make sure that they do that. She works hard, does a good thing, but I'm going to say, they, and they do a good job with that too. I'm trying to teach them, again, Wrestling values work because here's the deal. Here's the thing about the great sport of wrestling is this too. In our sport, you work with males and females. So it teaches you how to be motivated, cut weight, uh, be a team player, all those things. But also our sport is the only sport that teaches you to work with the other, other sex. You get in the real world, you have a female boss or a female partner you got to work with. To, to, to get a job done. You already know how to work with her. Because you, you, you practice with them, you work out with them, you're your teammates. So you understand that already. So our sport is a great sport because it, it, it teaches you a lot of different things as well as working with the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. At a young age, so you understand that, you get in the real world too. That's pretty cool, our sport. Yeah. I, I love that. At the World Championships, the women, watching the women's freestyle, was uh, those girls get after it, man. I mean, yeah, they do. Yeah. My wife, I'll tell you a funny story about my wife. Uh, she was a world class badminton player and uh, she's really quiet and really sweet person. But we're watching Helen Maroulis and she's in the finals and she's up eight nothing or something. So she needs uh, one more turn. And my wife stands up and she goes, Finish her, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to marry you. That's great. That's great. That's awesome, man. Finish that's awesome. I was like, what the? Yeah, that's what you want. Driven. You want someone that's driven like that. Stud. Yeah, man. Hey, listen, um, hey, this, this is a story once. Talk about, you know, okay, I, I, I'm going to maybe brag a little bit. So I'm very, okay, I'm very competitive, right? So I'm recruiting this kid from Wisconsin. Talk about badminton, okay? Badminton. She's badminton. We play in college, you know, now and then, do different things, you know, in the backyard, whatever. Or we could just get from Wisconsin. I kind of know the kid doesn't really want to come. It's not because of his dad, it's because of the mom, whatever, you know. So 
So anyway, I think, I'm not really sure, so I go visit this kid. So I walk into school, and they're playing badminton. And he starts talking, I say, all right, this kid's not coming now. I can tell he's talking and kind of cocking a little bit, you know, every night, well, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know what? So we're talking a little bit. I said, hey, how about this? I want to get into badminton. All right, when you come, just, well, uh, well what's the time you play? I said, well, see, I'm um, 27 years old. Maybe I was going to be almost, no, no, I was 30. They got 33, 34. I played since, you know, maybe back when I was in college. All right, I'll, I'll take you on. I'll tell you what, man. I ran all over that. I had my tennis shoes on, other clothes on. I was sweating. And there's no way this kid's going to beat me in badminton because he said, well, I guess I'm going to come now. I ran and did this and that. I mean, I went all over the court. I ended up beating this kid. Nice. And then it is, well, I was having to decide. He said, don't, don't worry about it. It's okay. Just remember who won the badminton game. I walked away. Because I knew it wasn't coming. And there's no way this kid was going to beat me. I tell you what, Tim, it was a battle. Your wife would have been proud of me. Like, come on, Helen Turner. Come on, Barry, finish him. I finished him. Boom. <laughs> it's great, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's People don't know that it's the fastest racket sport in the world. And uh, they, oh, yeah. They run like a matter of, they'll run like two miles in the course of a match, you know. Yeah. And, and you tell you what, it's not easy. It, yeah. it's, all, it's a field game, too. It's amazing how tough that sport is. Yeah. She would have been on the 2000 Olympic team if she kept playing. She played in a couple of junior worlds. and uh, Wow. Yeah. Without getting into all of it, she got kind of burned out on it because of her situation. Yeah. She was living in yeah. a training center and with some girls she didn't care for and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so she kind of has regrets about that. But she won, like, 15 junior national titles, like, between doubles and singles and everything else. Yeah, she was a she was a beast. So, And I was a pretty decent wrestler. And, like, she's, her grandparents were really good athletes. So I look yeah. at my boy, and I'm like, I don't know if you're going to want to wrestle, but I hope you do. Like, he's already strong and physical. But I'm going to put I'm him in. I'm my grandson a climbing wall this next week here. Awesome. So what I'm doing is I'm taking plywood. And he's, not, he's like four. I put these little climbing handles on there. I get this really uh, industrial plywood, put stuff behind it, do stuff in there. So I put about this far off the ground. So I put it so long way, so it's like four feet high, eight, like, you know, eight feet long. So I'm making a 16 foot walk all the way across. So him and his, him, him and his cousins can work on the climbing wall. Nice. He's like, hey, what are you doing? He, I said, oh, oh, I see. Get, Russell, I said, man. I go, Nan, it's not for wrestling. In, in case he wrestles, just in case he does, he has he has a strong hand. But if he doesn't, he has he, he says strong hands in life. He needs to protect himself. I said, I'm not just hey, what's wrestling? Fine, he doesn't do it for that. But I was like, Dad, I said, listen, man, Ray, it's just for fun, honey, just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it's for <laughs> deep down for wrestling. Yeah. I want him to be strong, man. I want strong hands. Yeah, I, I hope my son wrestles, but I told my wife, I was like, even if he just plays baseball, he's gonna be he's gonna be a pitcher with one hell of a headlock because I'm still gonna teach him how to headlock somebody. <laughs> he wrestles the out, he'll win every time, right? <laughs> I told my wife last night, I was like, I gotta make sure to not because I had a really good headlock. I could headlock just about anybody one time. Wow. And, uh, so I told my wife, I was like, I'm not gonna teach him that. For a long time because yeah. little kids go out they got a good headlock that's all he'll want to do so I was like, yeah oh yeah i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna teach him that right off the bat. But i i i uh i bet you're just a phenomenal grandpa uh you know i i uh here's a good thing for you 
I write my grandkids letters. Don't, oh, don't give them to me yet, though. Oh, really? So, you know, if you write one once a month, it doesn't look back on to, you know, in case something happens to me or my wife or just, hey, what's going on in the world today? What's going on in life? Just write a little letter. Just put it to the side. Yeah. So, you know, somebody, they can read, you know, hundred, a couple hundred letters they got from you, whatever, down the road. Yeah, man, I, I, I like writing letters and I like writing, period. Um, so I think I'm going to start doing that for my boy. That's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, know? why somewhere and just put him away? He can never have him. Maybe when he's 30 years old, not when he's 18 or 20, maybe when he's 30, 35, or he has kids. Yeah. And here's what I got. What? You give him like, a, you know, a lot of letters. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess they, it shows that you care, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's all you want. I wanted to ask you about, uh, I won't keep you on here all day. We've already been an hour and 17 minutes, but I've, That's really, fine. I've loved talking to you. Um, I had some questions about like fantasy matches and, uh, Ooh, I, boy. yeah, I didn't bring my, I didn't bring my note card in here with, that had the matches on it, but, um, who do you think would win in their primes between Tom Brands and John Smith? Well, you had a con, you had two different styles. You said Brands was strong. And, you know, more thick. You had John Smith that's, that's lightning fast, low single. He's one, he, again, he's like Fossil, he changed it to sport of wrestling. If you go by medals, you gotta take John Smith. Sure. But I'm not gonna vote against Terry Brands either. Yeah. Tom Brands either. Yeah. Because Tom Brands is a gamer. Yeah. So um, let's call it a draw. Okay. <laughs> uh, I asked you this before. Um, you versus Spencer Lee in your primes. Well, who'd have won that? 126 versus 125. Even 118, because 118 back then were just as big as 25 pounders are now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I probably went on riding time. Okay. I'll take that. Because my uh, thing was. You know what, though? But here's the deal, though. You know what? Look at, let's look at this, though. Again, I don't like to talk about that stuff because. You look at Spencer Lee, you look at what he's doing in college right now, he's totally dominant. He's dominating everybody. Yeah. This guy had a chance to win four, four championships. I, you know, I didn't win four. He, he's, he, well, I can only win three. But um, he's dominant. He's a great leader uh, for the Iowa team on and off the mat. Can have a better guy out there right away, getting the fans fired up and doing that. So, Maybe he takes me down, I take him down. I was good on top. He's, he, he rides me, gets one turn, I let him get one turn. Both get away. So, um, you, you think well, he'll turn you? It's a deal. I never lost in Carver. He's never lost in Carver. So, I guess it's going to be another, another draw. What do you think? I'll take that too. <laughs> do you, you do think he can turn you? Because every time I see him turn, I don't know. Like, I was pretty strong. So let's say we just let's say we write each other out. He might get one trade. He's pretty good. I was gonna let's go with the hip tilt. So I guess my best position was on bottom of the ears, his. So maybe we both get one turn. Maybe not. But what at about the end, we probably would have been a draw at the end. Okay. I'll take that. He does seem like a great kid. He, you uh, know what? He, you know what? He is phenomenal. He is, um, he has really changed. I think the dynamic of that team with his leadership, mm-hmm. and kids see it. Alex Mitchell Lee, with his work ethic, the way he conducts himself on and off the mat, 
and in school. And you know, he's done great things and they do other great things too. And they respect that. So they will, they'll kind of toe the line because of, of his leadership. Um, we've had some amazing 163 pounders. Um, Jordan Burroughs, Lee Kemp, Dave Schultz, Kenny Monday. Uh, who's the best of all those guys you had to pick? Oh, uh, well, that's, that's, you know what, a lot of good ones. Because Monday beat Fatsayev. You know, Schultz you know, won at 83, 84, and he, he should have won at 85, 87. He's kind of, things went wrong for him. I got to say uh, Burroughs right now because he, he's the most dominant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have the thing with Burroughs is this though. Burroughs changed throughout his career. At first, he wasn't as good for body, more low, low penetration shots, okay? Doubles, whatever. You're going to have to get underhooks. They could turn him. Now they can't turn him. So, you know, he's learned to get him out of balance. He's learned the edge in, in the reattack. So he's, he's, I knew Bruce was good right away because when he's, he's, he can make adjustments. He's made adjustments all through his career. And they throw everything at him. He's, he's been able to take it all and adjust and make, make those adjustments. Well, John was just so good at that little single and good anchor crosses, but, but he was good. Dallas was, was one of the all-time, well, might be the greatest of all time because he'd won six of those and won five, but Smith but was so good at what he does, but Brill has adapted and made changes too at the same time. You know what I was thinking when I watched him and Imar in their uh, world team trials final? Um, you know, Imar did a great job, but by the third, third match, he had nothing left, and I was thinking probably because it's so hard to keep Jordan Burroughs off you for that long. I mean, you're just so on guard the whole match. You're like, hey, you know, yeah. every level change, you're like, he's getting ready to blast out with me. I, I would imagine that would wear on a fella. After <laughs> it does, because he, 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 it's like he does. He, especially you get three times in a row. That's three matches. Not just one match. It's three. Now, the, the World Championship, is just you got to beat him one time. Now you got to beat him twice. That's tough to do. Yeah. Who do you think is going to win uh, if, if – God willing, they get to wrestle Burroughs and Dake. Uh, I'm taking Burroughs. They, they did a big thing the other day. Uh, they had Burroughs on flow. I saw it. Asking Brian and Dake. Dake says, well, hey, you know, put yourself in my spot. Go through the main tournament. Well, he doesn't have to. Because you know what? Because he's earned that right. But here's the deal, though. Here's where Dake is forgetting. A lot of trash. What year was it? Was it Nebraska? Dake won the first match. Bruce won the second match. Mm -hmm. The third match, the third match, Bruce was behind, I think. He shot a head outside single. Dake, had a, Dake was good at high crosses here, high cross ups or whatever. Dake had a high school cross ups position when he, when he went to do it, though. He put him across his body. Said it this way, like he always does. And I, you know what? Rosa Dayton didn't think he could win. He choked. He choked because he had it won, but they do it like he always does it. He did high school way, and it cost him. Like if Rosa's gonna, is gonna win right here, but subconsciously he just couldn't do it, and he failed and crossed his body here. So I don't know. Until he beats him, I think Rosa's the guy. Well, he's throwing down. Let's say this though. Last two World Champions, he got beat by the Russian. Got beat in the finals. Took the Russian down 2.3 seconds up on the clock. Cameras at the clock. Takes one, 
wait one, one second, reaches the right hand, the right foot, gets taken down at the end to lose. Next year, he's reached the semifinals with less than two seconds to go. Less than five seconds. Say a total of five seconds versus lost two world titles. Now, if he won two world titles, he'd say, hey, listen, versus one seven, he's the greatest of all time. There's no way Dakes win it. Well, Dakes won the last two, Rose has it. But what if he won the last two? He won the last two. So, well, it doesn't matter. He's got something he's got to, you got to go with Burroughs. Because he's got beat, well, he's lost it. Dude, he's lost two old times in a total of five seconds. The guy is still there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I view it, you know? So, yeah. we'll find out. You know what? First of all, he's got to get there first to Burroughs. That's he's true. He's got Ibar. The other guy's coming up. You got, you got, uh, no, no, it's good guys coming up. Yeah, it's gonna be easy. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a man. I, I sure hope that everything gets fixed and and uh, you know, yeah, normal. It, it will, you know, what right now the herd's moving this direction. Once they're out of the gates, we're not coming back to society, we're gonna keep moving that way. So, I think we're like we're moving that direction right now. So, I think we're gonna figure things out and continue to move forward. Okay, well, that's good to hear. and. Uh, Man, I'll, I'll let you go, but I really enjoyed talking to you. And, and you know, I think I told you that you and Randy Lewis and all those guys were on my wall when I was growing up, this big 1984. It was when Vision Quest came out, you know. Yeah. I had the uh, Vision Quest poster, and it was all the guys that were on the Olympic team. Um, so getting to talk to you guys, you know, speaking of getting nervous and all that stuff, and, and I tell everybody this at the end of the podcast when I'm not nervous anymore, but, you know, I've met quite a few big stars and all that stuff, and, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't affect me near. I don't care. I don't think anything of it. But when I get to talk to you guys, or with the day I got to meet Dan Gable, you know, and almost had tears yeah. eye and all that stuff, I cannot. I can't express how enough how freaking cool it is to me that I get to talk. That you know that you guys have taken the time to talk to me and all that. So yeah. I really appreciate it, dude. Well, how about this? I will send you a bottle of Gable Gold, a Gable Gold hat. How about a Gable Gold shirt? So Dude. every time you're on stage, wear a Gable Gold shirt. What do you think? I promise I'll wear it. So uh, you want chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. All right, I got your address. I'll take care of you. Okay, cool. Your shirt's Tim, cool. Thank you very much. Love you, man. Take care. Went out today. Love you too, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Hey, start writing that boy letters. I will. Is there anything else you want to share with us before you go? No, I just, uh, again, I, I, it was like, 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 okay, go back to your story. You never know. You can change some girl's life. That girl wrote you. How many years later was it? How many that? That was what, Wade? Almost 30 years later. 30 years later. So you know what, Sam? For 30 years, she still thought of you in that manner. You changed a young lady's life. Where? That's 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 a great thing to hear. That story. I love it. Thank you for doing that. You bet. I'm glad. I. That's the first time I've told anybody on the podcast the uh, Casey story about finish her, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, good. You got a good one there. Okay. God bless you. I'll see you later. Talk to you, you later. You too. Love you, man. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. I enjoyed the hell out of that. I hope you guys did too. Uh, make sure you go to makingithappen.com. M A C A N it happen.com. Check out little Bo Macon and his website and, and uh, donate to his family. They could really use it, especially right now during this difficult time. And uh, as always, go to youtube.com slash Tim Gaither and subscribe to my YouTube. I would really appreciate that. I'm going to be having a lot more wrestling podcasts and uh, I'll be talking to more comedians too, but 
I've really been on this uh, tear talking to high-level wrestlers and coaches, and it's been great for me, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And uh, God bless all of you. Thanks for listening, and take care. Bye. Do us both a favor and click on that subscribe button.